This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the WLA regular season is in its final week. The National Lacrosse League announced its five finalists for the 2016 Hall of Fame class. Free agency kicked off and the Georgia Swarm knocked on the wall. And Logan Shuss drops by to talk Junior A, Senior A, NLL, and girls? All this week and more on OTCB. I am an outlaw. And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, iTunes, wherever else you just happen to be listening. And I thank you for stopping by. My name is Teddy Jenner. And if you want to get a hold of me at the show, we do this every week. It's super simple. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or drop me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Nick Sakevich, the commissioner of the National Crossing, has slowly been building his army over the past few weeks and months since he's been on duty. Um, earlier in the summer, they named uh, Ashley Dabb, the chief marketing officer, Kevin Morgan, the chief revenue officer. They brought in the Brownstone Group. Uh, but this week, they announced Dave Rowan as the new chief operating officer. He's got more than 30 years in sports, media, and entertainment industry. Uh, we're hopefully going to try to get Dave on the show just to, you know, get a different perspective uh, than we've had from the commissioner. Uh, maybe Mr. Rowan has some different ideas. Maybe he can shed some light on some things uh, and some of the directions that the NLL wants their current teams to be going in to help boost the value and the face of some of these franchises. So that was some good news to come out on Monday. Uh, then it dawned on me as I was celebrating BC Day, which is a holiday out here in the westernmost province of Canada. So we all got a nice little long weekend. Was it? Oh, crap. August 1st, free agency day. That's right. Teams can sign free agents as of August 1st. All qualifying offers players had to be in to the league office by midnight on July 31st. And if they weren't able to re-sign or make qualifying offers, those players moved to free agency. Whether it be restricted or unrestricted, they also could franchise some players as well. Uh, so as of yesterday, the league put out their list of NLL free agents. And you can go to nll.com and find that list it's in the news section uh, i'll also post this on my twitter account uh, so you'll be able to find it there as well uh, but there are some interesting names out there now you have to remember that there the difference between restricted free agency and unrestricted free agency is that restricted free agents if they are signed by a team after july 31st the team that owned their rights would be able to counter and match the offer so First name on top of the list, Buffalo Bandits, restricted free agents, Mitch Jones. Now, you'd think that Steve Dietrich and the Buffalo Bandits would like to get Mitchie back under contract, but since they didn't qualify him in time or sign him to a deal, now he becomes a restricted free agent. So, say the Vancouver Stealth wanted to sign him. Guy's a Western kid, playing some good ball for New West, I think would be a great fit for the Vancouver Stealth. Uh Doug Locker could go right ahead and say, hey, Mitch, we're going to offer you two years at blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to say, we'll offer you two years at $4.2 Imagine that. 
Imagine a National Lacrosse League where I can sit in the studio and it's the second day of free agency and I can say that Doug Locker offered Mitch Jones a contract two years, $4.2 million per year. Oh, I would love that. That's a pipe dream for now. But essentially that's how, it's wor- how it works. Uh, unrestricted free agents can sign with anybody they want, go anywhere they want, and there's a lot of them and some very juicy ones as well. Now, you have to remember, in the National Cross League, this is a, for the lack of a better term, weekend Warriors League. It's part-time. Monday to Thursday, guys are working gigs. So, you know, you're not likely to see a Chad Culp, who's a UFA for Buffalo, get picked up by, say, Calgary, and they want him to live there. That's not going to happen. Um, so you have to take in you know, uh, location when you're looking at some of these names and some of these people. Um, I look at a guy like Peter McFetridge, who's a UFA for Calgary. I'd love to see him in Vancouver. Um, The Stealth did make some moves today. We'll get to that um, in a little bit. But the big splash that was made right out of the gate, and this, I can't believe I'm going to say this. One, it made me so happy to see because the guy deserves it. But two, it's because John Arlotta made a lacrosse move I'm okay with. (gasps) Now, mind you, not sure if he was the actual one that pulled this deal off or not. However, the Georgia Swarm, right out of the gate, picked up Mike Poulin from the Calgary Roughnecks. And I was like, yes! Yes! Yes, because not only is Mike Poulin one of the nicest guys, uh, one of the classiest guys, one of the most professional guys out there, the guy can still ball. And he just got caught up in the numbers game in Calgary. Uh, Now they have Shiliano and they have Christian Del Bianco in the fold. So Poulin became expendable. We all kind of saw the writing on the wall when the season ended, knowing that he'd be a UFA. And so it was always going to be a question of where he was going to go. Toronto seems just happy with, with Brandon Miller and Nick Rose. Now the question of Brandon Miller's status for next year is up in the air as he's gone under the knife and had surgery during the offseason. Uh, don't know what his where he'll be, if he'll even be ready to play next year, or if he's going to want to play. We don't know that. Um, obviously, Rochester's not doing anything with Fino and Angus Goodleaf backing him up. Uh, Buffalo's going nowhere with Cause and DeRuscio. So then you have, you know, your next two teams are Georgia and New England out east. Uh, New England's got uh, Belanger and Kirk. They seem pretty happy there. So that kind of left Georgia with Brody McDonald and Zach Higgins. Now, Brody, a Western guy, he's um, a potential free agent. He hasn't yet to be signed. He's been qualified. So he avoided free agency. Sorry, he was a potential free agent. He was a potential free agent. It's my microphone. Almost fell off here. Um, He was a potential free agent. Georgia qualified him. But having spoken to Brody, there are possibilities that he could be on the move or that they might even be trying to move him because now they have brought in Mikey Poulin and he feels the writing's on the wall. Again, another guy, a Western guy that could come back West. He's not going to Calgary. That's the reason they got rid of Mike Poulin. He's probably not going to Saskatoon. They're happy with Bold and Tyler Carlson. He's probably not going to Colorado because they have Dylan Ward 
and Alex Bouke. So Vancouver becomes a bit of a logical spot. He plays at the LEC during the summer for the Langley Thunder. Uh, they already have Eric Penny under contract. They signed Tyler Richards to a one-year deal, I believe. So he's, you know, a, a question mark for them. What are they going to do with Tyler Richards? He is a UFA, so he he's not even signed. He can go anywhere he wants. So if they can trade anything, and and from what I've been told, it's the asking price for Marlotta isn't high for Brody McDonald. If they can get Brody McDonald, I kind of like that move. I'd love to see Tyler Richards back in Vancouver. I think he still has it. When I watched him play Friday night for the Burnaby Lakers, he was fantastic. And so I still think he has what it takes to compete in the National Lacrosse League. I think it's going to be one heck of a, a battle for the number one spot in Vancouver between Penny and Richards. And they just signed Cody Hagedorn to a one-year deal. Um, and so maybe they don't want to bring in Brody McDonald. But I think if you can trade for Brody McDonald, say you ship him a fourth rounder or a third rounder even, and get big Brody, bring him in and let those four guys battle it out. You have four WLA goalies who want to play as the number one guy in their own backyard. Put him in hell in a cell and let him figure it out. So we'll see what happens. Um, so Mike Poulin was the big splash um, for the National Crossings day one of free agency. Uh, there have been some other moves, so let's just uh, hop on over to the free agent wire and see what's happening. As of August 1st, the Colorado Mammoth have signed Joey Capito. Jackson Decker, Chris Wardle, Josh Sullivan, all to two-year deals. We talked about Mikey Poulin signing the three-year deal with Georgia. Uh, Rochester signed Adam Bomberry to a two-year deal as a one-year deal with Scott Self. The Rush made a splash into the free agent market, basically just re-signing guys, uh, re-signing Marty Dinsdale and Riley Lowen, both to one-year deals. The Toronto Rock signed Brad Cree and Dan Lintner. Uh, to deals, also UFA Michael McDonald, so they already made some moves, uh, but then, as I said, it was the Vancouver Stelster, and they added 13 players altogether, six guys that were on their roster last year, plus seven free agents. Uh, the six guys that were on the roster last year that they re-signed, Keegan Ball, Brandon Cludlin, Travis Cornwell, Cody Hagedorn, and Chris O'Doherty, uh, one-year deals for those five, and Jarrett Toll got a two-year deal. All those guys, as mentioned, were on the roster last year. But then they signed seven free agents all to one-year deals. Justin Goodwin, Jordan McBride, Evan Messenger, Billy Saxon, Dane Sorensen, Tanner Thede, and the one that has a lot of people buzzing was the signing of Tyson Rowe. Now, Tyson Rowe is uh, 6'10", about like 230 or something. I'm not sure his exact weight, uh, but he is a very imposing force. Uh, he plays for Nanaimo. He's suited up for Team England, uh, and he's really starting to come into his own. I think it's a nice little fit for the Vancouver still. So Doug Locker busy on the second day of free agency. So we're starting to see some... Uh, this is kind of what you'll see over the next little while. Um, you'll you'll mostly see teams re-signing their own. 
Um, but they can go out and sign street free agents, anybody that's just floating out around. Uh, but then again, like I said, you can go ahead and see if you can't pick up a restricted free agent. Maybe a team's not going to match them. Um, and you can go ahead and just dip into the UFA pool. Um, one last time, here's some of the names that are just floating around uh, that might get some looks. Chris O'Doherty's unsigned as a UFA uh, with the Vancouver Stealth. That's a guy that uh, maybe an American market wants to go after, but he is working out here um, in Seattle with the Stars, and he's playing his WLA lacrosse out here as well. So that might be tough. But again, you're looking at some of these names, um, and maybe teams will go after. Mike Grimes is sitting in Toronto. He didn't play last year, but there's a guy someone might take a flyer on. Uh, we already talked about the two guys resigning in Rochester, but Mac Allen's a UFA. Uh, Stephen Hoare in New England is UFA. He was a huge part uh, of their run last year. So there are some serious names out there. Scott Carnegie, Andrew Watt, Jamie Rooney, Billy D. Smith, David Brock. So if you're an NLL GM, I hope you are working your phones right now because uh, there's some talent out there. And if you don't want to wait to the draft, you want to sign a veteran, now would be the time to go out and do such a thing. Whew. That was a lot. And I could have kept going because there's just so much to talk about. Like We could go team by team and talk about their needs, wants, who's out there and who's not, but we only have infinite amount of time, but we're going to move on. Uh, the National Lacrosse League also announced the Hall of Fame inductee nominations for the 2016 class. And... It's not surprising, yet there are some surprises, and then there is some worry. And maybe even some controversy if you read the internet. I'm not sure it's controversy, but um, this is how it works out. First, the five finalists. All deserving. All deserving. Um, Second-time nominees. All these, these three guys were on the, on the ballot last year. Didn't get in. The only guy that got in last year was the late Terry Sanderson. So, Kevin Finneran, Tracy Klusky, Gavin Prout. All three of those guys were on the ballot last year. Automatically get on this year. And then the two new, two new names are John Tavares and Josh Sanderson. Now, you would think that Tavares and Sanderson, first ballot Hall of Famers, in automatically, and I can 99.99% guarantee you that that is going to happen. Now, the big question for me is, because as voters, you can only vote for three guys. So of the five, you can only pick three. And then of those three, or then from all those ballots, the players, or the nominees have to have 75% of the vote. Now, if some weird anomaly happens or everyone starts feeling that Stephen Stamp's words are gospel, no offense, Stamper, Tavares and Sanderson are in. They will get 100% of the votes. If there is a ballot, and this kind of, again, this goes to my point of what Stamper wrote on Islander.com. I get his logic. It's never going to happen. Tavares and Sanderson will get 100% of the votes, so they're in, right? If there's a ballot that doesn't have both of those guys in, 
going to be frustrated. However, so that leaves Prout, Kaluski, and Finneran to battle it out for that third spot on all those ballots, and you have to have 75% of the votes to get in. So if there's 100 people voting, and all those 100 put Sanderson and Tavares on there, Are one of Kaluski, Prout, and Finneran going to get 75 of those people to put their name on the ballot? Now, this is how Stephen Stamp went and said it on Isle Indoor. He said, Josh Sanderson, a first ballot Hall of Famer, guaranteed he's going in. So let's not put him in this year. Let's allow him to be a second ballot next year, and then we all just vote him in, which would then give the three of Finner and Kluski and Prout, more chances to get in. Now, I completely understand his logic. However, the 75% voting system, I think it's too much because, and I've talked about this before when we started talking about the Hall of Fame a few weeks ago. The fact that the National Lacrosse League only has like the the names of people, I think there's only like five D guys or four D guys. Um, there's more goalies, I think, than there are D guys in the Hall of Fame. It needs to change because 30 years, we should be celebrating. Like we should have more than 25 names in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I get it. The Hall of Fame's only been around for 10 years. But we got to be able to put some of these greats that aren't in the Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not saying just open the door and anybody that played in the, in the mill era gets in. But we actually have to start celebrating these people. Like, Stamper's classification that he doesn't think Kevin Finneran will get in because it's we're looking at stats now compared to stats later. Kevin Finneran was an American legend and an icon. And one of the first field players to actually go indoors and be dominant and successful. Jake Berge is a guy that I'm still flabbergasted, cannot get into the National Cross League Hall of Fame. And sure, I focus, like, I'm going to go Reggie Thorpe. Has to be. The, how is Casey Powell not in the Hall of Fame? How is he not on this ballot? He's the only American to win MVP, and he can't get in the Hall of Fame. There are so many great players in the National Lacrosse League's annals of history, and yet we only have 24 people in. Like, we can't go another five, six, seven years and, and look back and say, oh, we really should have put Jake Berge in, but we can't look at his stats now because we have to look at stats. You know, we can't look at his past stats. We have to look at what people have done in this body of work. Like, that can't fly. We have to find a better system to recognize the greats of our game. And we can't just focus on the NLL. We have to look at major indoor lacrosse. I know this is the NLL Hall of Fame, but the NLL absorbed major indoor lacrosse. There are some names. If you go back in time and look at some of the MILL records and names and some of the greats that played in that era, 
Those guys are founders. They're the originators of this pro game that we all love and play. And the fact that we're not recognizing more people every year. And again, I'm not saying we have to have a 10-man Hall of Fame class. But why can't these five guys go into the Hall of Fame right now? Screw 75%. Kevin Finneran, Tracy Klusky, Gavin Prout, Josh Sanderson, John Tavares. You read off those guys' bios, I don't care if they played yesterday or 25 years ago. They are Hall of Famers. And for, we ha- for us as the voting members to have to pick and choose and f- to hope that one of those guys gets 75% when they're not going to. I don't want to say I can almost guarantee this is going to happen, but it darn well won't surprise me if the only two people who go into the Hall of Fame class this year are JT and Shooter. Because the other three are going to split votes. Like, and I don't want to do this to Kevin because I play with him in Anaheim. Like, the guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But let's exclude Kevin Finneran for a moment, okay? Exclude Kevin Finneran. So you have 100 people voting. That's just a number I'm saying. There might be more, there might be less. I don't know the number of people who vote. If Tavares and Sanderson are on 100% of the votes, then you have to find 75 votes for either Kluski or Prout. Those guys are going to split them. They're going to split the votes. Add in Kevin Finneran. Again, and this is... This is a disparaging um, act, or uh, this just isn't fair. I don't. I'm not sure I'm using disparaging fact or act in the right way. It's not what I want to say, but I know what I want to say. This is just insulting to Kevin Finneran that for the second time in the year he's being put on a ballot and he's not going to be able to get enough votes when he's a Hall of freaking Famer. Like, just look at last year. I think uh, I think I'm pretty sure Bergie was on the ballot last year for his second time, along with Finner and Klusky Prout, and and Terry Sanderson. And four of those guys couldn't get 75 percent of the votes. Like of the five, Terry was in on Terry was 100 percent no matter what in the Hall of Fame. And the other four couldn't find 75% of the votes. So how are three of them going to find it when two guys are first ballot Hall of Famers? So by by Stamper's logic, let's just take Tavares and Sanderson off, automatically write them in, and then see between who Prout, Kluski, and Finneran get 75%. We could do that. Or just leave Sanderson and Tavares off and say, you guys can get in next year. But then if we do that, then we screw whoever gets in the ballot next year. You know what I mean? Like, it's unfortunate, and I don't know what the fix is, but something needs to be done because we need to start celebrating. And this is something that the commissioner has said, we have 30 years of history and we have no history. We have to find a way to make this Hall of Fame as spectacular and monumental and deserving as it deserves to be 
And by leaving some of these guys off is just wrong. Let's move on. Uh, Logan Schuss uh, could maybe one day be a Hall of Famer. I'm not going to put that on his shoulders or anything. However, he is doing a lot of work in the Lower Mainland. He's uh, playing full-time for the New Westminster Salmon Bellies this year. Um, he's in the off-season the Vancouver Stell, staying in tip-top shape. Uh, but he is also one of the assistant coaches with the Delta Islanders, who have just made their first appearance, or booked their first appearance, to a Minto Cup. Uh, they still have to go through the BC Finals and the vaunted Coquitlam Junior Adanax, but both clubs, who will start their best-of-three BCJ Finals Wednesday night, are off to the Minto Cup, and for the Delta Islanders, it's their very first time. So, we figured we'd get Logie on the show. We can talk three things all at once, separated by answers and questions. So he joins us now on the show. Logie, you've been a longtime fan and friend of the show. Welcome back. How are you, my man? Good, Teddy. Thanks for having me. No problem, buddy. Um, you're a Delta guy, uh, proud Ladner guy, uh, raise and wave the flag all you want. When you guys earned that birth to the Minto, how special was it for you as a guy who's grown up in that system? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really no words can describe, like, kind of that feeling of, you know, really being a part of kind of the Delta Junior A's since the start with, you know, being created by Jim Keneal 15 years ago or how many mm-hmm. other years ago it's been. And uh, I remember I was a ball boy and going on trips to Victoria and the team bus and, um, you know, looking up to those guys who were playing back then. It was like Jordan Cornfield, Trent Smalley. Thomas Hayden, like kind of these older guys that I'm still friends with today, but yeah. just watching those guys, uh, you know, kind of start the program from going from junior B to junior A and, and Ladner and then, uh, you know, becoming a player as, you know, a midget call up and playing six kind of seasons with the juniors. And mm-hmm. then right after becoming a coach, it's kind of a special thing to see. And it's really special to see like all the alumni kind of posting on Facebook, like congrats and tweeting yeah. and just, you know, I've had friends that are, uh, come to play for the Islanders from all over Canada and they're Snapchatting mm-hmm. the game, watching from, you know, their respective towns and just being, you know, it's a proud day to, to be an Islander. What was it like in that, in that locker room when, or even on that bench when those last seconds turned down? Cause I know, you know, there's still the, the BC championships which start tomorrow night. Um, that's kind of a, a moot point because you both get into the finals, but you know, wh- when those final seconds were going down, it had to be a pretty special moment. Yeah, you know, we went into the second, sorry, into the second intermission, uh, I believe we're maybe up by one or down by one, I forget, and uh, going into the third, we're like, this is it, like, you gotta, you know, jump aboard, and you get 20 minutes to go to, to you know, make yeah. it to punch a ticket to the Minto and to make it to the BC final, so um, kind of got the offense clicking a little bit, changed a few things up, and it was just goal after goal for us, and we ended up, you know, getting ourselves a pretty nice lead and kind of coasting into uh, the final minutes. And it started setting in that, you know, we're, you know, going to come away with this game. And, you know, just a smile on the guys' faces and the excitement. And, you know, it it just helps out with the whole preaching at the beginning of the year. Like, we're looking to go to a Mitto Cup and to actually be able to say, hey, you know, we've accomplished our goal of making it to the Mento and to see the guys' faces and, you know, their their belief and every hard work they put in is, is, you know, come down to it. And it's – it was a really special moment. 
It's the first Minto Cup appearance for the organization. Um, it, it's it's a crazy situation now that's happening as two BC teams are going to the Minto Cup, so you still have to play this best of three series. What's the mindset for you guys going in? Is it is it let's try to win this, or is it maybe let's just kind of get through it and be ready for the Minto? Because that was the main reason that they did this format the way they did was because the Junior A Association and the commissioners and the Board of Governors, they wanted – the two BC teams to be as fresh as possible. Are you okay with that? Or would you rather it be a, an all out war seven game series? Um, you know, as a fan or, you know, just as a member of, you know, lacrosse, I think I would rather see it as like, you know, just the same as Ontario teams mm-hmm. have to battle for the seven games. I know I saw my buddy Dylan Ward kind of expressing his, uh, <laughs> his feelings on it. Like yeah. he does on Twitter. I love his Twitter battles he gets into. I love reading them and putting my two cents in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think in all fairness, it should be like that. But as a yeah. coach and as a team that is in the BC finals and getting ready for Minto, you know, I couldn't be more happier with the three-game decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for winning it, I think that's you go into everything that you want to win. Absolutely. Why not, you know, uh, come out of BC with the BC championship and have a full head of steam going into the Minto. I think uh, obviously Coquitlam has the same mindset that they want to win this. And, you know, I think these, this best of three series is going to be a, you know, a tough battle and it's going to really, you know, give a team momentum going into the, the Minto cup. Um, when I was playing junior, I went through the Burnaby Lakers dynasty and it was nearly impossible to beat them, uh, especially, you know, in the BC finals. Now you guys, you know, this generation is going through the Coquitlam dynasty. What's it going to take for you guys, not only to, to maybe steal a game, but to win that BC championship from Yeah. You know, we had our last, uh, regular season game against the Admax or not the last one, but when we played them last game, um, yeah. You know, we didn't have any of our imports. They didn't have any of their, their new imports. And I think both teams have changed a little bit. I think mm-hmm. we might have changed uh, quite a bit more just with seven new additions to the team and adding quite a bit of talent. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're obviously the heavy favorites being the league champion with 21 wins, undefeated. They got, you know, great coaching staff, great goaltending, all the way up through the offense and defense is, you know, superb for them. So I definitely think that they're – they're going to be the favorites, but, you know, it's definitely something in Latin we've always battled being the under, underdogs, and um, that's something that we take pride in, and we we just want to go in there and, and give it a battle and, you know, like you said, try to squeeze out a couple wins and, you know, hopefully raise a banner in that sense and take it into the Mento. You talked about um, not having certain players. It's kind of like the, the senior matchup between Victoria and New West. When you guys played early in the year, neither team were really – full steam ahead and now you guys are kind of on a bit of a collision course you're not going to play unless you meet the, the the finals but as the bellies are going how do you guys feel moving into the playoffs you guys are playing with a ton of confidence you have 14 game win streak it was pretty impressive to watch yeah you know we uh started the season a little slow i think a lot of us myself and a few of the other nllers uh you know took a little bit of time off just to mm-hmm. relax and you know how the the loop is between playing NLL right into the Absolutely. next season and it's, it can take a lot on you. So I think mentally and physically it was best for the guys who just finished up to a long NLL season to kind of relax a little bit. And I think, I just think we were missing a few of our uh, college players as well. So we went mm-hmm. down 0-3 to start the season. And like you said, we went on a 14 game, you know, unbeaten streak. So 
I think that was huge for the club because you know it's a lot funner when you're you're winning, right? And yeah, absolutely. Losing. So yeah. a lot it, it was able for us to bring the guys around a little bit better, and everyone was excited to get practice. Everyone was excited to be around the boys, and and you know we do a lot of you know extracurricular stuff with the bellies. It's a great organization where. We have team softball games and the smoker and potluck dinners after games. Like it's it's a real fun organization to be around. And I think going into these playoffs, last game of the season, we lost a lost a tough one to Ridge on a long weekend Sunday mm-hmm. nighter. Um, Those are always fun. Both teams, you know, it was it was a typical Sunday night long weekend game, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think going into the into the playoffs here, we're excited. And, you know, we've got practice tonight, practice Thursday, practice. Uh, I think Sunday, I believe, and then uh, you know we're onto the onto the uh, playoffs. So I think we're excited, and everyone's going to be fresh and ready to go. And uh, I think we just have to get after it and try to make our way back to the Man Cup. How important has been the addition of Mitch Jones for you guys? Because he's just been playing some phenomenal lacrosse right now. Yeah, you know I've always been a big Mitch Jones fan. He's been one of my friends for for years now, and you know on and off the floor we get along really mm-hmm. well, and. Um, I just think it was awesome that we could bring him back to the mainland and, and to New West. So not only, you know, he plays defense and tranny and, and the NLL, but, you know, he's an unbelievable goal scorer. He's got awesome hands, great vision. And, you know, he's he's got a you know knack for winning. He ran, won a Man yeah. Cup, won a Minto Cup, um, you know, successful bandit season. So I think it's great to bring him on the board. And um, like you said, myself and him have been clicking a little bit better. And, yeah. I've turned into more of a feeder for him, and he's been putting the ball in the back of the net. So, I mean, I'm just waiting for teams to stop him, and then it'll be my turn to kind of squeak <laughs> in and yeah. get a couple goals. <laughs> um, uh, do you guys have do you have a preference who you'd rather face? Because it's either going to be Burnaby or Maple Ridge. But, uh, you know, stylized, you know, they're they're different teams, but they're still kind of the same. Do you have do you have a preference of who you'd rather face? No, we'll we'll take on anyone who comes to us, right? It's just yeah. those things, you know, you got to beat everyone to get to the championship, right? Absolutely. So. I think, uh, you know, I'd rather play maybe Burnaby just because it's a closer drive from Vlad. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the end of the day, I, I don't really doesn't really matter. Each team is uh, very skillful and they got great defense, great goaltending. You know, an offense that's pretty high powered NLL players, right? So mm-hmm. uh, both teams are going to be big competition for us, and you know we're excited to go after it with them. Uh, it is August second. Is the second full day of NLL free agency. There's been some rumblings of of your team making some moves. Uh, is there something that you would like to see your GM, Doug Locker, add to your club to help you guys for 2017? You know, I think, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about the guys that we have in the locker room from last year. We had a t- couple tough injuries midway mm-hmm. through the season with myself and Garrett and a couple of our defensive studs. And I just think, you know, one or two guys in each category um, will really help our team out in the sense we're just going to, give a little bit more fight for positions, a little more fight for guys to, you know, work harder off the floor and to make sure that they do have their spot. Um, you know, you always want another top scorer, another stud D guy, a guy who's just a, you know, loose bound, a loose ball guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, some of those little small pieces of the puzzle that's going to make everything run a lot smoother. So I think I have faith in, in Doug. He knows, uh, he knows what he's doing there. He's going to try to, you know, work with the coaching staff to, because we changed coaching staff halfway through the season, so yeah. it's, it's big that you know every coach has a different way of running a squad and you know the pieces of the puzzle. So you know I think the the cool thing about the NLL is you know maybe guys on the practice roster and 
Buffalo, but he could be a huge acquisition for a team in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Like each team, you know, has different ways of running things, and um, players can kind of, you know, add wherever they can. Um, how did you uh, adjust to Coach Batley? Was it hard, or was it, it a, was it a good move for you? Yeah, you know, I think it was definitely a good move. Uh, you know, all respect to to Dan. Um, you know, I think he's a great coach as well, and mm-hmm. I just think it was one of those things where. You know, at, at the point in our season where you couldn't do much for the roster change. Yeah. So, you know, it comes down to coaching change, unfortunately. So, um, you know, when uh, Bass came in and, and Millie came in, I think it was a, a good move for us to kind of try to spark something different and change it up. And, you know, we got a couple wins and we ended up, you know, trying to push for a playoff spot at the very end of the, the season, which was great. So I think um, – Coach Valley does a great job of like kind of bringing a little more intensity to practice and mm-hmm. and you know a little bit more from energy from the guys and and more of a will to kind of win and, and get out there and work our our butts off. So I think it was a great move. You know, you you've been in the in the Lower Mainland for your whole life. You know the lacrosse community. You know lacrosse market. You know what works and what doesn't. Is the NLL game that much harder for mainland fans to adjust to? Is there a simple fix, you think? You know, it's it's something that I've been trying to think about and ways to kind of improve it. And, you know, people always say location this and prices mm-hmm. that and parking. And, you know, I've just been a fan. You know, even if, uh, you know, I wasn't playing for the Stealth, say I was playing for another team and, you know, Stealth had a game on a, a random Thursday night, like, I'd go watch, you know, professional yeah. cross game. No, yeah. Even if I had to do pay the... 25, 30 bucks just because I'm a fan outside the game playing as well. Yeah. So I think the the weird thing with, you know, BC lacrosse is that in the summertime they do have the junior and WLA loop and a lot of the similar players that play on the stealth are also playing in the summertime. So I think maybe people take for granted that, you know, this is a different league. It is a yeah. high, way, way higher caliber, faster, more intense. Um, you know, maybe they don't see it much more as professional, but – just another summer league game, right? Yeah. So when they see that ticket prices are maybe double or, you know, the game's out Langley or they're from Delta or they're from Coquitlam, um, it kind of, you know, puts a damper on it. But I think, you know, like a lot of people say, once you come watch a game and you see an intense game, you know, Vancouver versus Calgary rivalry. And yeah. They see the intensity and the guys who are out there just battling for a win. And I think, uh, you know, we'll get more fans in that sense, but, I do really like how we do the, you know, the BCLA, the jersey night for the kids, mm-hmm. you know, kids getting for free or a uh, special event night when it really draws a bigger crowd in that sense. So I think it's going to be really nice to see what, you know, kind of comes with the Giants being there as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the kind of relationship we can build with that program and hopefully it's going to work out for the best. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you are a man of Snapchat fame. <laughs> and you do quite a quite a good job. You know, first it was you and your granny. You know, you, you brought her to stardom, um, and now you brought the boat life to stardom. Um, is it like the NFL where you know they don't really want you doing some crazy things away from the rink, but you're just going to be okay with it because you know you're hanging out with your buddies? Like, how much fun do you have away from the rink? I mean, I, I do like to have my fun, and yeah, uh, I definitely one of the better parts of living in Delta, Ladner's, we live right on kind of this thing called Bee Slough, and it's a, a little inlet, and I'm fortunate enough to have a few friends who have nice wakeboarding boats, so, you know, any day, any day I have off and no game or 
yeah. work or anything. You know, we like to go out in the boat and have some fun, and you know, there'll be all of our friends getting on there, riding the wakeboard and surfing and listening to the music. So I guess, I it's, guess a pretty, it's, it's a pretty people are seeing them. Yeah, it's a pretty. But like, even if it was a Snapchat, but like you know, like I said, you're out there with your friends, you're out having a good time. Are, are you a wakeboarder or do you stay inside the boat? Oh, I'm absolute sitting on the boat. I'm <laughs> yeah. an observer. I tried wakeboarding a couple of times and it resulted in me absolutely nose diving into the water. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more of just sitting on the boat and enjoying, uh, enjoying the views and, uh, you know, watching my friends and yeah, sometimes I'll get out there on the surf cause it's pretty slow. You just get out right. there and you pop up and you buzz around a little bit for the girls and then, uh, you head <laughs> back. <laughs> You head back, you head back onto the boat, and you, uh, you know, grab a water, and you just sit down, and have some, have some fun, yeah. listen to music. Uh, so good. Um, well, be safe, um, because oh, everybody wants you to see you on the floor. It's where you do your most damage. It's always a pleasure um, to see you do battle, my friend. Uh, best of luck um, with the Junior Islanders. It's going to be a heck of a series with the Adnacks, and obviously onto the Minto Cup and. And I know you and the Bellies will be ready for a hot playoff run come here in August. So uh, best of luck. And it's always a pleasure catching up, buddy. Awesome to have you. Thanks, buddy. There he is. That's Logan Schuss of the New Westminster Sand Bellies, an assistant coach with the Delta Islanders. And, of course, a fow- forward. Forward? A forward. He's a forward. Yes, that's Logan Schuss. He's a forward. He's a forward for the Vancouver Stealth. Uh, a forward for the Vancouver Stealth. Um, his new Westminster Samas are currently in first place in the WLA, but they have finished their regular season schedule. And they really needed that win against Maple Ridge on Sunday to force the Victoria Shamrocks to have to win out. Now Victoria just has to win one of their final two games, and they will secure the first seed overall. Um, even if Victoria loses one, the two teams will tie on points at 26 but Victoria would take the tiebreaker as the first tiebreaker is wins not head to head which was news to me I found that out uh, late last week Um, I might even talked about it on the show I can't remember memory sucks Um, but yeah uh, even if New West had won on Sunday and finished with 28 points Um, and went on that ridiculous 15-game undefeated streak, and then the Victoria Shamrocks won their final two games, and they finished on 28 points, Um, Victoria would still advance because they had more wins uh, as a result of New West's two tie games. So, Victoria has Nanaimo Friday, Coquitlam Saturday. All they need is two points. Actually, all they need is a win, one win, because if they tie both games... Then the head-to-head would come into play, and New West would take it. So, uh, there are just uh, four games remaining. Uh, Victoria has Nanaimo and Maple Ridge. Sorry, Nanaimo and Coquitlam. Langley has Maple Ridge. There's just three games left. Processing, processing, processing. So, that's the WLA regular season. What we know is... We know the four teams still. Um, Victoria and New West will finish 1-2 in some form. Most likely, Victoria will finish first just because of the opponents they have to play. No offense. 
Um, they should easily win one of those two games, uh, which will allow them to finish first. New West would finish second. Uh, but the, the, the other battle is for third, and that's between uh, the Lakers and Berards. And currently the Lakers hold down the third seed, but they are tied on points 21 with Maple Ridge. However, the Ridge still has one game left, and that is Wednesday, tomorrow night, against the Langley Thunder. If they don't win that game, they will finish fourth. fourth. If they do win that game, they will finish third. So, still lots to play for, jostling, sliding around, maneuvering as we move into the playoffs. Out east, we already know the playoffs. Um, it is going to be Peterborough and Oakville. They're currently playing right now, and I think it's 1-1 last time my phone buzzed. Uh, and the other series is Brooklyn against the Nation. So those will be two incredible series. Now, uh, going on, as I mentioned, Oakville, Peterborough, in Peterborough. Um, it was a very special night, an emotional night, um, and a strange night at the same time. Because tonight the Peterborough Lakers retired John Grant Jr.'s number 24 to the Memorial Center Rafters. It's an incredible honor. He deserves absolutely every bit of it. And I'm so happy for a guy that I used to call a teammate that he gets this honor. It's an incredible honor. It, to have your number retired is like one of the ultimate things, especially for a guy like Jr. who was born and bred a Peterborough Laker except for a little stint where he came out west, he's pretty much played for Peterborough his entire life. And so to have his number go up there, it has to be an incredible feeling, and it had to have been pretty emotional for the guy. But here's the thing, and this is the strange part, is that he's still playing. I wanted to jokingly say on Twitter, well, what number does he wear now? But he's still rocking the 2-4. It's in the rafters and on the floor. It's, that's just a crazy, like, why didn't you just wait to next year? It's not like he's not going to be allowed in Canada anymore. It's just, it was just a weird thing. Like, it's, it's like when the PGA Tour inducts members into the Hall of Fame who are still golfing. Sure, they're maybe playing, like, the Seniors Tour or whatever, but, like, it just didn't, doesn't make sense to me. Why not wait till he's officially retired? Like, we all know Junior's retiring. Right? We get it. And if that was going to be the case, if they were going to retire his jersey at the end of the year, why didn't they, like, make this big official thing or say, this is John Grant's last year. They can, you know, do what they do in the big leagues where, you know, every rink that he goes to, they make a special ceremony for him. I know it's kind of tough because Junior wasn't here the whole time. It just seemed kind of forced to me. Like I said, it's an incredible honor and um, would have been a great night to be a part of. It just seems weird that he's still wearing 24 and it's in the rafters. Could have waited like another year, had John Grant Jr. night, bring him back, bring his family out and everything at a Lakers game next summer and do it right. Not that they didn't do it, right? It was a great ceremony. I watched a couple clips on Twitter. Just seemed weird. To have a guy have his number retired, yet he's still playing and wearing that number. Say, Lovey. Um, the W, or the WLA, 
Um, back bouncing back and forth. The National Lacrosse League draft. Um, the date has been announced. Uh, it is going to be in September. We all just we all kind of figured that would be. It'd be September sixth. Or sorry, let's try that one again. Um, it would be September twenty sixth. Um, and there are some events obviously surrounding the NLL draft. It's all being done at the track, the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. Um, so the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth, it'll be. Um, a big weekend, actually, twenty uh, seventh. Uh, they're doing the uh, NLL awards after everything was done. So Saturday and Sunday, the twenty fourth and twenty fifth, will be the combine um, for prospects to get one last look um, by all the general managers. The draft will go Monday, and it's probably Monday night, like I don't know, seven o'clock Eastern time, ah, seven p.m. Eastern time, right there, right in front of me. And then on the Tuesday will be the awards banquet as well as the finalists with the All-Pro and All-Rookie team. Um, we've talked about it. Saskatchewan has two of the first three picks. They have three in the first round. Just crazy. Toronto has number two. Georgia has four. Calgary has five. Rochester has six and seven. Georgia has eight. The Rush are nine. And Georgia gets ten as a compensatory selection. Vancouver... They won't get their first pick till number 11. Toronto gets their first pick at 12. Buffalo will make their first pick at 13. Then we'll go from there. Um, so we'll keep you apprised. It's um, not supposed to be the deepest draft year, uh, but there are some talented guys going out in this year's draft. Uh, go to islander.com. Stamper um, has his uh, first mock draft up there. Uh, it'll change over the course of the next few weeks, I'm sure. But if you want to get an idea of who's out there, um, that's a good place to start. So September 26th is a Monday. Mark it on your calendars. Uh, if you are a prospect and you're listening to this radio show, um, information will come out about how you can make sure that you're entered into the draft. Um, my best bet, uh, just contact the league. Uh, contact Doug Fritz, contact Jeff Baker, somebody within the National Lacrosse League and say, hey, I want to make sure my name is in the draft. Um, I, I remember uh, my draft year, uh, 2001, I hadn't heard from anybody, from any team, hadn't heard from a single team, um, and we're in like late July, middle of August, and I still hadn't heard from anybody. So I contacted Marty O'Neill, who at the time was, uh, with Philadelphia, and I said, hey, Marty, like, you know, I'm in the draft this year. I would love to come to Philadelphia. Uh, my brother played there, uh, great fan base, great tradition. Like, it was one of the teams I wanted to go to. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to come play for He's like, you're not on any draft list, man. I'm like, really? Because I've just graduated from Mercyhurst. Like, I should be on there. And then the light bulb clicked. Because I had redshirted my freshman year, I still had a year of eligibility. So, Note to all of you kids out there that if you're going to go from college to the NLL, and I'm not saying leave early because you just don't do that in this sport, um, but make sure if you've graduated and you're done playing, make sure all your eligibility is out of the way or you may not be in the draft because they'll still think you have eligibility. So uh, luckily... After that conversation with Marty, I was able to contact Doug Fritz and say, Hey, Doug, could you put me on that list? And sure enough, he was on the list. And then a few weeks later, first round draft pick. Bust. What a bust. What a bust. 
Um, let's see, what else do we got on? Um, one more thing that I kind of want to talk about. Um, two more things before we get you out of here. Um, first of all, congratulations to Coquitlam Minor Lacrosse um, and, and the junior organization and the family that they built over there. Uh, we've talked it, about it a little bit. We've had Randy Clough on the show uh, a few months back just talking about what they were doing in Coquitlam. Um, the Coquitlam Junior Annex are going for, I don't know, an unprecedented like 12th BC title in a row or something ridiculous like that. Uh, the Junior B Adanax won the provincial title this weekend. The Intermediate Bs won their provincial title. And the Intermediate A's lost uh, in the gold medal game for their provincial title. But that is just incredible to see. And I've coached against uh, the Coquitlam Minor Association. I've watched those teams play and the organization that they have built with the talent of coaches, the wealth of knowledge these kids are getting um, is phenomenal. And you can see it in the development of their minor system, why their, you know, their junior programs and their intermediate programs are doing so well is because all those kids are being brought up through the family and staying within that organization and staying together as friends. And that's incredible. They also have a massive player pool to draw from. But it's what Burnaby was, you know, two decades ago when I was in junior. And, and the Burnaby minor programs were kicking the crap out of everybody and helped lead to Burnaby running a decade of dominance of their own through the junior league. And pretty much when that dominant decade ended, Coquitlam kind of just slid right in and said, okay, you guys are done. It's our turn. Here we go. Woo-hoo! And just have owned BC Lacrosse. So uh, congratulations to everybody in that Coquitlam group um, that have helped put that family together um, and just really brought a good atmosphere back into Coquitlam or kept that there. And, you know, the success is there. And I hope a lot of these other associations realize that by working together – and not against each other, you can succeed more often than not. Crap. Now I just remember something else I wanted to talk about. I'm getting late in time. Um, I'm going to squeeze this in. Uh, if you go um, to TSN 1040 Radio in Vancouver, if you find them on the internet, uh, go look for the July 29th um, midday show, Sakaris and Price, find the fourth hour. It's the one o'clock show, one o'clock hour. Um, it's the fourth hour of the show, the one o'clock hour, July 29th. Uh, they were they do President's Week um, during the summer uh, on the midday show with Sakaris and Price. It's a show that I used to produce, um, so I'm a big fan of the, those guys and, and what they do. And they do this thing called President's Week where they talk to all the presidents of the major sports clubs in Vancouver, um, NHL, uh, single-A baseball, uh, the Giants who are the WHL team, the Whitecaps who are the MSL team, or so the MLS team, um, and I'm forgetting one more. I can't remember who it is. It'll pop into my head in a minute. Um, but they also had Doug Locker on, and unfortunately, because of the landscape of the Vancouver sports market, the Stealth are kind of an afterthought a lot of the time. Um, oh, the BC Lions. That's the other team I forgot. So they had CFL, NHL, Tier 2 um, Hockey, or sorry, t- Single A Baseball, Junior Hockey, and the Whitecaps. So those are their five main teams. And most of their presidents, like, all got, like, an hour or two-hour block to be on the show. 
uh, for fans to call in and for discussion to happen about what they like about the team, what they don't, what they're doing, changes, progress, all that stuff. So they have Doug Locker on, and they've been doing this for the past couple years, but it's an afterthought because the other five are so so much more prevalent in that mainland sports dynamic. So they had Locker on with Sakaris, and they had him on for about 10 minutes or so. And so you can go and hear the interview with Doug and Matt Sakaris. Uh, they bring Tom Manek on, who was the former sort of owner of the Vancouver Ravens back in the day. And then once they're done with Doug, uh, Tom and Matt have another lengthy conversation. And it, it's a great discussion, and I almost want to play it for you, and I might do it next week. Um, I'm, and I'm going to post the, the link on my Twitter account, and you can find it there. But they really talk some good things because Tommy knows the mainland landscape and he understands it and he knows what happened, what didn't happen. And one thing that he sort of refuted the rumor that I always believed to be true um, because that's what I had been told. Um, But Ron Toygo, the owner of the Vancouver Giants, the junior hockey team, everybody always believed that he basically had uh, the city by the short strings and was saying, I don't want anybody else to play in the Coliseum. I don't want, I want this just to be the Giants' home. Nobody else. If you want to do concerts, cool. No other team can call the Coliseum home. Well, Toygo refuted that, and Tom Manick confirmed it. So that was all hearsay, never the truth. So which leads me to believe, well, maybe with Toygo now going to the LEC, Maybe they can work together, be cohesive, and build off each other, which is good. But to go back to where this all kind of started was Doug said it in, a, in an answer to a question from Matt, which basically was, how come lacrosse people, all these staunch supporters of lacrosse, how come lacrosse people can't come together and make lacrosse viable? And it's a brilliant question. And it's one that we need to talk about from Nova Scotia lacrosse to BC lacrosse and everything in between. North of the border, we need, as Doug said, to start pulling on the same rope at the same time in the same direction to work for the greater good of the game. Because all we are doing is hurting our chances for the sport to actually grow. And we need to be better. Case in point, in the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League, Manitoba and Saskatchewan, I believe, if I'm getting my facts straight, they had two teams playing for the Junior B final and a chance to go to the Founders. And while it's great for those teams to be in that position, they had a different route to get there than other teams in the Rocky Mountain League. It's just like what's going on in BC. You have this new playoff format, and I can understand if you have different amount of teams, you have to vary yourself accordingly so that it's fair for everyone. But that's the thing. It's got to be fair for everyone. So in BC, we had this wild card play-in game between the four and five team, and then that team had to, the winner of that series had to play Coquitlam in a best of seven, and they got swept. And then Delta and New West had to go through a best of seven, and it was a hellacious battle. But now the winners are on to the BC Finals, and they're both guaranteed a spot in the Minto, so they're just playing a best of three. 
Yet in Ontario, you have three series and they're going the distances. They're going six. They're going seven. Sure, there's the sweep here there, but they're having to play full rounds. And so now the winner of Ontario is going to have to play possibly two best of sevens, a best of five. And yet you're going to have two teams out here in BC that could be ready for the Minto as early as, I think, Friday. And the Minto's like two and a half, three weeks away. Everyone has to pull on the same rope in the same direction at the same time. We need one rule book for everybody. And I've stressed this. One rule book from the time you are three years old to the time you are 19. Heck, we could even drop it back to like 16. As soon as you get to intermediate, that's when the rules will change. So from mini tyke all the way to the end of midget, you have one set of rule books. And it's all the same, coast to coast, no matter what. And then as soon as you get to, say, 17 years of, old, of age. Then the rules slightly start to change. Fighting's allowed. Um, the stick work is a little more aggressive, but a little bit more is let go. Little things. You can tinker with age groups, but don't tinker from province to province. It's not going to work. But collectively, we all need to start working together. That's why I would love to have a, like a serious summit, not an AGM where it's per province. I want to get away from all this like political rhetoric of just what's good for me in my province. I don't care about anybody else. It has to stop. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The CLA needs to be blown up and it needs to be built again, rebuilt. Everything about it needs to be rebuilt because it's not working in its current model. We are losing players. Registration numbers are up in new areas. They're down in hotbeds. Um, you know, BC is losing to Nova Scotia in midget lacrosse at the Nationals. That is not an error I did not misspeak. That is incredible for Nova Scotia lacrosse. It's horrible for BC lacrosse. Horrible. So we need to start working together. Sure, you can start province to province and work on your own model. But at the end of the day, we all have to be playing under the same rules, under the same guidelines, with the same formats to make it even for everybody. It's not easy. Something has to change. Finally, one last thing. And this was found um, uh, on the LAX forum. No, the LAX 54. The Ontario um, fan forum. That's where I found it. Um, and it was a discussion about lacrosse on TV. And obviously, everyone knows I want lacrosse on TV as much as possible. Um, but as you've heard me say many times on this show, 
we need to be better in all of the things that we do, not just on the floor um, and not just off the floor, but promoting our product. And lacrosse isn't good visually on TV. A lot of that has to deal with the fact that the people who are producing these shows don't know lacrosse well enough to be able to understand what cameras to use, what angles to use, when to switch, when not to switch, how to follow the ball, whatever. Camera guys struggle with following the ball because the game is so fast. There aren't stoppages. There aren't breaks to show replays. There aren't all these things that make hockey easy to watch on on TV or football or baseball. There's no breaks in lacrosse except for every six minutes or so. And those are like two-minute breaks and we're going to commercial. There is rarely a time, a good time, during a game while game is going on to show a replay. Because it's just bang, 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 bang. When the National Lacrosse League um, sort of moved towards kind of like an 8-second, 10-second um, break between goals. It was basically, as soon as there's a goal scored, put your hands up, let's get it reported, let's start face off right away, as quick as we can. We want to get go, 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 go. What that does is it takes away your TV audience. It ruins the enjoyment of being able to watch a game on TV because, raise your hand if you've said this before while watching a game, whether it be on TV or on the internet. God damn it, I don't want to see a kiss cam. I just missed a goal. How many times have you said that? I say it like five times a year. Easily. How many times have we missed a goal, a hit, a face-off, a fight? Something has happened, and we've missed it. Because we're either on a jumbotron or we're in a replay. And a lot of that has to do is because we've tried to speed the game up so much that we've completely forgotten about, whoa, my gosh, there's actually people watching the game on TV right now. Or we're watching it at home. We want the atmosphere inside the arena to be so high tempo that we forgot that there are, hopefully... Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of more people outside of this arena watching the game on TV. So, we have to try to figure out a way to fix that. I, I, I have no wor- I, I, I don't have an issue if it takes us 30 seconds to restart after a goal. If it allows for replays, it allows for things to settle down and reset and fans can take a breath and... Wow, that was good. And all of a sudden, the play's going down the wall. Oh my God, there's another goal the other way. Like, I talked to somebody, a girl who was cutting my hair the other day, and I said I was going to the Shamrock game Friday night. And she said, oh, I went to a lacrosse game one day. I left more confused after the game than when I showed up. It's just like, there's just so much going on. I don't know where to look. I don't know where the I didn't know where the ball was. Play was happening so fast. And one of the greatest parts about our game is the speed and the finesse of the guys because 
we do, and they do make it look so easy and so smooth. And I would never want the game pace to slow down, the speed of the actual game. But like a wine, we need to let it breathe. We need there to be, we don't need to finish a lacrosse game in an hour and 32 minutes. That's great. It's awesome. In and out, you're done. Beat traffic home. But we have to think outside of the box. Literally. Because if we can't get people to watch on TV, they're not going to go to the game. And the way this sport is going, it needs TV. It needs an internet deal. If you're, if you're not doing TV and you're gonna, we're going to stick with NLL Live, cool. Right? Cool, I'm fine with it. If that's, if that's the way we're going to go, and we can't get a TV deal this year or next year. There's got to be a TV deal somewhere. But if let's just say, or even if there is, we're still using NLL Live. We have to find a way to make the viewing experience better. I'm not saying we're going to a Fox Track lacrosse ball. I'm not saying we move to an Orange lacrosse ball. We just have to put people in place to bring us the best view possible so that's that um, we have talked a lot today I hope you're still with me but it's time to get out of here um, thank you to Logan Shuss thank you to you for sticking by and listening um, as I said hope to try and reach out to Dave Rowan in the next couple weeks um, we're going to go all around. It's playoff time um, in BC, in Ontario. Uh, congratulations, by the way. We, we talked about Junior's retirement. Uh, congratulations to another former teammate of mine. Um, and we did talk about him um, and confusing why he's not in the NL, NLL Hall of Fame. But uh, Casey Powell played his last MLL game. And he's retired from lacrosse pretty much officially now. Uh, congratulations to CP. Easily the greatest field lacrosse player that ever was. Um and one of the greatest Americans to ever play lacrosse, period. So congratulations, CP, on a fantastic lacrosse career. Uh, he's going to be coaching at Jacksonville University, and he says hopefully make it the best lacrosse program in the country. And if Casey's running it, people are going to want to go there. So uh, best wishes to him. Um, like I said, we talked a lot. Thanks to Logan. Thanks to you. My name has been Teddy Jenner at off the crossbar on Twitter, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We're out of here. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Who knows who's going to stop by because as of now, I don't. I'm off to San Jose on Thursday for U.S. Box Nationals. I'm definitely going to have a lot to say about that because it should be one hell of a weekend in San Jose. If you're in the area, stop on by. If you're going to the U.S. Nationals, make sure you come say hi. I'll probably be the guy with the microphone. Uh, we'll talk to you in a week's time, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for stopping by. Take a friend to the game. Make sure they bring a friend. And we'll all be friends. Be excellent to each other.